The following audio is from Central Christian Church, located in Portales, New Mexico. To connect with Central, go to centralwired.org. Lord is there. 
worship the God who was. We worship the God who is. We worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors. He parted the raging sea. My God, He holds the victory. Let's join the house of the Lord. Let's join the house of the Lord today.
God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. How could I express? 
Good morning, church. As uh, Veterans Day is fast approaching, and uh, being a veteran myself, uh, I found a story written by Erwin S. Cobb, and he tells this story. It seems that two Confederate veterans were reminiscing about the days during the war. One veteran from the South tells the story. The other from the North tells the story. And their perception is different. Hmm. When you're in those concepts of battle... I remember talking to friends of mine that we were in the same battle and our perception was different. But the one thing he always knew is that there was going to be a story there. And as long as there's veterans, there will be war stories. Some of them will be true. I've noticed one thing, however. Most veterans will have a medal or two or three or even more, and the stories behind those medals are often sometimes a little less often repeated. For they are often painful rather than glorious. War stories come from being there when something has happened. And medals mean sacrifice. Yeah, whether we mount them on a wall or in a lighted frame or put them in a box in a closet, the veteran keeps those medals. He needs to remember. At this time of year, in some communities, the veterans, even parades and other things will take place in their community to help them remember. As Christians, we share similar memory. Each week... For thousands of years, we've shared the memory of Christ's sacrifice on the cross. It's a painful memory. The loaf and the cup are the medals, which display not only our sacrifice, His sacrifice, but we keep this from becoming a war story. Because we have the written eyewitness accounts of time with Christ instituted into this memorial. Like medals given to soldiers, this memorial is designed to honor the one who sacrificed for us. He was the one who paid it all. Therefore, remember in, in the memory, we are commanded to examine ourselves. There are many ways in which we can do this, but I might have to stretch the analog just a bit to consider this one. Picture of Father with his children. They're looking at his medals and asking how he got them. He tells them the story of combat and what he did to earn them. The children go away from the session, imaginations fired up, and they go out to be the hero just like their father. This morning when you take the cup and the bread, remember the sacrifice made, then, like the little children, resolve to go out and imitate your father. Can any greater honor be paid to a veteran 
than to have his children say, I want to be like him. We have a veteran. He paid it all for us. I want to be like him. Let us pray. Our Father God, we come to you this morning. We praise you and we thank you for the sacrifice that you gave of your son dying on the cross and raising three days later that we might have eternal life. And Father God, we just ask that we take this time to observe the and, and witness the sacrifice that we might be like our Father. We thank you and we praise you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. You'll see the grace that He giveth and giveth and giveth again. The song remains the same. It is the name of a concert film and soundtrack from Led Zeppelin that was released in 1976. It was also filmed in my birth year. That would be 1973, somewhere around there. It's actually a song. The song remains the same, but it did not remain the same. Funny enough, it started out as a different song called The Overture. It was an instrumental, and the band would play it to open up some concerts. And then eventually, Robert Plant put lyrics to it. And, and in his lyrics, it talks about the idea that music is universal, that people are people. Wherever you go, we're all the same. And if you think about it, music is indeed universal. I mean, think about listening to taps at a funeral of a dear friend and the emotion, the connection that brings. Think about bouncing with complete strangers, like hundreds of them at a concert, right? All of a sudden you're like, what am I doing? I don't do this, right? And the music does that to you. Maybe nostalgia as you reach for the volume to turn it up, you hear a song that's a reminder of sweet days gone by, of God's faithfulness. You know, when we think about worship, we, we think about music. We think about that portion in the service where everybody stands up and we sing a few songs together and we sit down. But worship is so much more than music. And that's coming from a guy who absolutely adores it. No, worship is about the posture of your heart. Worship is about taking the focus away from ourselves and putting it on our heavenly father. Worship is adoration and devotion to the one who is worthy of all we have to give. And so much more. So welcome online on the radio. We are finishing up our psalm, songs for the journey, our psalms of ascent today. Uh, we've got a couple of different verses. But before we go to that, I want to talk about this quote from last week. In your darkest moments, you will need your best theology. Theology being the study of God. What do we know about God? We're going to need to know that God is for us in every way imaginable. We're going to need to know that He loves us just the way we are. But that Lucado quote hits every time. But He loves us way too much to let us stay that way. We progress further and further into the Lord. We need to know about His grace, His love, and His mercy to us in order to be able to extend that same 
love, grace, and mercy to others, even when it may be hard. Pardon, I'm going to hit this real quick. That accentuated that point well. So we're going to be in Psalm 128 and 134. If you will turn in your Bibles to Psalm 128 on your device, whatever you've got. And as before, if you will stand with me as we read uh, this scripture together, uh, I'm going to be reading from the NIV this morning. Again, that is Psalm 128 to start with. Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in his ways. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your sons will be like olive shoots around your table. Thus is the man blessed who fears the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion all the days of your life. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem. And may you live to see your children's children. Peace be upon you. Israel. If you'll flip the page to 134, and I would love for you to read this aloud with me. It doesn't matter the translation as we read together this morning. Here we go. Praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord who minister by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. May the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, bless you from Zion. Amen. You may be seated. I hope you are encouraged by the reading of his word today. Now, as we talk about our pilgrimage, pilgrims, wayfarers traveling from a far off land to a holy place, this is the intent. So if we're traveling, we're walking. If we're walking, that means action. There is always action on our part when Christ calls to us. There's also devotion. There's also routine. We have to make this a routine. We have to get into the Word of God. What's the best translation of the Bible? The one you read, right? And so we need to get into the Word to see what the Lord has to say. I love the way Eugene Peterson talks about it. He says it's a long obedience in the same direction. Don't lose heart for the journey is long. A Hebrew poetry is a little different than the poetry we're familiar with now. It's not so much about rhyming. It's more about parallelism. So the way it works is we've got uh, two different lines in a stanza. And so both lines are complementary, but they're different. And we see that at play in verse one. How do you fear the Lord? It's answered in the second part of that verse. We walk in his ways. So we don't just think about God. We live in response to his word to us. If all we do is read the Bible and it doesn't affect our hearts at all, then it's not doing much in our lives. We live in response to his word. It changes who we are. As we get to verse two, we see a word which is a buzzword for some people. And for other people, it's like, no, I don't like that word. And that word is prosperity, right? I'm not here to break down prosperity gospel or anything like that. We don't have time for that. But what I do want to show you that prosperity here is the Hebrew word tov. And the Hebrew word tov is synonymous with another word that we know very well, shalom. 
Let me read it for you in uh, the ESV. Here's 128, verse 2. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed, and it shall be well with you. So, shalom, we know this well, right? Uh, Don ends his, his sermons, ends the service with shalom. It's a farewell. It can also be a greeting. Shalom means peace, but it's actually even deeper than that. Shalom means wholeness. Shalom means completeness. Shalom means balance in every area of your life, relational, emotional, mental, physical. And so when we say tov, when we say prosperity, when we understand that it's synonymous with shalom, this is what we're saying. May it be well with you. Every part of you. So this then in this scripture is fullness of life and not so much the abundance of wealth. And this is congruent with the larger purposes of God. We are blessed to be a blessing. If the Lord blesses us and we don't do anything else with it and it stops with us, I don't know if that's the intent. It should flow through us into our relationships, into the people that we come into contact with. We're blessed to be blessed to be a blessing. This is what it means to walk in the ways of the Lord. And in verse 2, we see talk of the fruit of our labor. And we, we see this individual. It starts with us. And then it gets a little bit bigger as, as we talk about our wife, right? It says the wife is fruitful. We see a, a wife here in the psalm that is thriving, that is full of joy, that is seen let me ask you a difficult question today. Is your significant other or your spouse thriving, full of joy, seen? This is the intent of the Lord as we walk in his ways. We encourage, we lift up, we pour into. I found out it's not about me. I hate to tell you, it's not about you either. And the older I get, and I know some people that are older than me are like, oh my goodness, please. The older I get, the more I come to understand that I can't take it with me. I can't. It's not the guy who ties with the most toys. So if I can't take it with me, then what do I choose to leave behind? And this idea is... Legacy. Legacy is what we choose to leave behind. I love this quote. Blew my mind this week. Legacy is growing fruit on other people's trees. Legacy is doing stuff and not taking credit for it. Legacy is sowing seed and never seeing it come to fruition. It's pouring into other people because that's what the Lord has called us into. And the psalmist continues, and he, and he talks about our children. And kids are a blessing, right? Now, I know it depends on the day. Am I right? Am I right? Okay, so everybody, I want you to say this with me. Kids are a blessing. Here we go. Kids are a blessing. Yes, they are. But what if you don't have kids? What if you're, what if you're trying for children right now? What if, what if you're in a difficult season? What if you have 
an empty nest and the entire house so quiet. And you wonder, am I making a difference? And you wonder, is this psalm for me? Maybe these words are hard to hear today. I want to encourage you uh, through studying. I found that olive trees aren't cultivated from seed. The psalmist talks about the olive shoots. They're not cultivated from seed. The new trees actually come from the shoots that grow around the older olive trees. So the question then becomes, who do you gather around your table? Who is in your circle? What tribe do you run with? Here's something. Is somebody spending so much time with you that they're starting to laugh like you? They're they're starting to act like you little by little, these character traits. We wonder if we're even making a difference, if anybody is even paying attention. And then if we're able to see with the Lord's eyes, we see how we are making a difference in the lives of so many. Called to mentor. Called to show an example of Christ's love. Called to pour into. It's not about me. There are um, a couple of things here, both present and future joy is what we are talking about. We're talking about life. We're talking about abundance and fruitfulness. And we begin to see the world differently, right? It's not so much about quantity anymore. It's about quality. Are we content with the blessings that we have? Are we thankful with the blessings that we have? I'm not going to say that the Lord isn't wanting to bless you even more. I'm just saying, are we content in the here and now with what we've got? couple of things to keep in mind for this psalm. This is a prayer. This is not a checklist. This is not, if I do this, then this is all that I'm going to get. That's not what's happening here. It's a prayer. Another thing, it's not a reward. It's a gift. It's something that the Lord gives. And maybe this is a difficult time for you. And maybe it's hard on this journey. And you're just saying, I'm tired. I am not there yet. And I just want to tell you, you're right. We're not there yet. This is a long obedience in the same direction. But friends, don't lose faith in the end of the story. He is victorious. And he he calls us to surrender our hearts and put one foot in front of the other and, and live a life more abundant as we walk in the ways of the Lord. And family and work are both detailed here. And, and we see that both can be worship when we lift them up to the Lord. When we give them over to our Heavenly Father. When the gratitude rolls up to Him. But uh, chapter 127 says it pretty succinctly. If the Lord doesn't build the house, then the house is built in vain. If the Lord doesn't build the house, then it's on a shaky foundation. It's on shifting sand and there can be dysfunction. There can be unrest. It goes something like this. If, if the Lord doesn't build the house, there can be dysfunction in the family. And, and, and maybe, maybe the man or, or the woman goes to work 
And you don't really intend to spend so much time there, but you spend more and more time there because family life's not going so great, so I'm just going to go ahead and try to succeed where I can. And we've got ambition, and we've got drive, and we've got this self-focus, and that's out of balance. Or maybe it's the other way. Family life is really good. And work, ah, I mean, it's work, right? And we hear these terms like quiet quitting and we're kind of silently trying to figure out when we can leave earlier and earlier because all we want to do is spend time with our family. But this leads to detachment. It leads to apathy. See, the Lord wants you to thrive in all areas. Complete balance, right? And he wants there to be this balance. He wants you to spend time with your family and pour into them. And he also wants you to thrive where he's called you to in the workplace, doing whatever you do for the glory of God. So the psalmist is not pretending that all is perfect. But he is advocating for the blessing. It's just like Don or I praying over you. The Lord bless you and keep you. It's just like one of you getting, and getting around somebody else and putting your hand on their shoulder and saying, I'm praying for this in your life. We are advocating for a blessing. And we see echoes of the priestly blessing at the very end of this psalm. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and give you peace. Friends, what God does for us is never just for us. When he does things in your life, he wants it to overflow into the lives of others. Psalm 134 starts with an invitation. Who doesn't love to be invited to something, right? Like, like that's the best feeling ever. I remember in grade school, and there were some little invitations going around for a party, right? And even if I didn't want to go, if I got one of those things, I was like, I'm a cool kid, right? <laughs> you feel seen. You feel included. And as I was preparing, uh, uh, Marie shared her notes with me on the songs of ascent. And I love this idea that she shared, this invitation of rest, this invitation of submitting, of obedience. And so we come up the temple steps and and we see the the priests and they are ministering in the temple. It says they're standing in the house of the Lord. That's a euphemism for ministering in the temple. So when you stood up in the house of the Lord, when you read that scripture with me together, we were ministering to one another. Isn't that awesome to think of? And the priests were working in the temple. The priests were there for the Lord. The priests were not there for the people. They were there to honor God. But as the people mount the temple steps, they say, come, take a break from your work. Worship with us. Surrender. Rest. We read 1 Peter 2.9 uh, during the song service. My beautiful wife read it. Um, so we are a kingdom, right? We are kings and priests. It says, we tell because of the goodness of God that he has brought us out of darkness into his marvelous light. So if we are priests, is that what we are right now? 
the question becomes, what is a priest? So a priest is a, a mediator for God. And so it was a lot more messy and looked a lot different in the Old Testament, right? And so we're not sacrificing animals for one another, but we are absolutely mediators for God. We are called to be his hands and feet on this earth. We are called to serve one another. We are called to make a difference. We are called to testify to his goodness as kings and priests. And how do you bless the Lord? I've got a, I've got a friend that has everything, right? How do you get a gift for, for a guy that has absolutely everything? Now, multiply that by like a billion. How in the world do you bless the Lord? I mean, he's got the whole world in his hands, right? How do you bless the Lord? I could play my very best song on the piano. It would fall short. You could have your very best day and it would fall short. A super Christian uh, sticker and a cookie and it would fall short. How, how do we bless the Lord? When we bless the Lord, we are not adding to his divine nature. We are witnessing it. So blessing the Lord is a human declaration that the Lord is good. Did you hear that? All my life you have been faithful. You are blessing the Lord by bearing witness to the things that he has done in your life. So our worship is a response to his goodness. Psalm 134 says these three things about worship. Worship should be God-centered and not self-centered. We keep the focus on our Heavenly Father. Two, worship is continuous, both day and night. Now, I'm not asking you to sing worship music at 2 o'clock in the morning, right? But I will say that worship does not end on Sunday. You do not walk out of these doors today and stop your worship. No, we, we bear witness to the Lord. We, we, we share, we are, we are priests, we mediate for Him. The hands and feet of Christ. And worship involves the whole person. I remember the first time I I raised my hand in worship, right? I I didn't want to draw attention to myself, right? And heaven forbid, I put up two like, oh, wow, he's really holy. This is what I was thinking. Like I was super nervous about it. But worship isn't about me. And in those moments, and I've had them, where I don't feel like worshiping, and I raise my hand or I sing anyway, my heart begins to change because action initiates feeling. When I start moving in that direction, my heart starts to turn. Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Worship isn't about entertainment. It's not about a show. It's about exalting God in spirit and in truth. That's the whole thing. And this is what I love about worship on Sundays. We've got all kinds of people. It said in the, at the beginning of our journey that people came from all over, from far off lands. And we have all these people in here. We are so different. But the song remains the same. And when we come together in worship, when we lift up our Heavenly Father together with one voice, wow, the Lord is so pleased. 
The, the text in the song for the open says, Carry on, all you pilgrims. Don't lose heart, for the journey is long. At the end of your wanderings, lift your hands and bless the Lord. Bear witness to Him. And, and in this journey, there may be troubled circumstances, and maybe you're in a troubled circumstance. Maybe you're in an overwhelming situation, and, and maybe you've just had the world pulled out from under you, and you don't know what's coming next. Take heart. And maybe there's violence on the road for you. It may not be a knife, but words cut just as deep, don't they? And maybe you're struggling with that today. Take courage. Put one foot in front of the other. Maybe there's oppression. Maybe it's from other people who might not see it your way, but maybe it's from the stuff in your head. You've been telling yourself a story, and it just isn't true. Carry on. It's a long obedience in the same direction. It's not an easy choice. But this is the best journey you will ever take. Psalm 134 is a call to praise and bless God. But the the, the theology of that call is grounded in what came before it. So what do you know about God? These are just the things that we've learned about God through this sermon series. God's presence during distress. These are the headers for the Song of Ascents. My help comes from the Lord. Prayer for Jerusalem. Patience for God's mercy. Prayer for God's blessings. The Lord has done great things. Joy for those who follow God's ways. A cry for help to the Lord. A prayer of repentance. Surrender as a child to the Lord, God's sovereign plan for his people, and praise of fellowship and unity among the brethren. All of that leads us to praise and bless God, to witness his goodness, to tell of his grace. Um, Many of you may be familiar with uh, Beethoven. Right? Beethoven's first or Beethoven's fifth symphony. Does anybody know that one? Right? It goes like this. Dun da 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 right? Is there, did that ring a bell? Right? There's also Moonlight Sonata. Maybe you've heard that on the piano. It's a beautiful first movement. Maybe you've heard Fury Lease. Anybody that is a beginning piano person wants to desperately learn Fury Lease, or at least the first five or six notes, right? Da 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 what's the next note? Yeah, yeah. This is a deep track, but it's one as well. Rage over a lost penny. I played that one in college. Apparently, Beethoven got really bent out of shape about losing some coins, and he wrote a song about it. So that's great. This guy um, wrote over 700 pieces of music in his lifetime. He was a prolific composer. And he began to lose his hearing at age 28. I don't even know how I would cope with knowing that I may not be able to hear my beautiful wife's voice, that I may not be able to hear the music that I was trying to create. I don't know if I would be able to continue, but Beethoven did. He kept writing and writing and writing. And even when he was completely deaf, he kept writing. Beethoven wrote like Beethoven. 
which means that there were rules to be followed in music, but Beethoven was like, whatever. Now, now symphonies were typically before then orchestral works. That means it was just string instruments, just brass, no voices at all. And so the ninth symphony, which Beethoven wrote while he was deaf, included vocalists. And so the story goes that he stood in front of the orchestra on the debut of the ninth symphony and he conducted. And as he finished, the crowd was mesmerized. They had never heard anything like that in their entire lives. And there was a roar of applause. They went crazy. They were incredibly loud. And Beethoven stood and faced the orchestra. He couldn't hear the applause. Someone stood up from their chair and they turned him around. And when they turned him around, I think the crowd probably figured out what was going on. And so in response to that, the crowd starts throwing their scarves, their hats, their headbands, whatever they had. So Beethoven would see the impact that he had. Some historians say that his last words before he passed were, I shall hear in heaven. Follow Christ wherever he calls, for that journey ends well. Wherever he calls, wherever he leads, I'll go. You'll have to take those first steps. The journey may be long, but I'll tell you, it is so absolutely worth it. Through this, we've learned about who God is, that he will never leave us. And so on this journey, this long obedience in the same direction, we walk together as the team comes up. The song isn't quite finished. In the 1900s, Henry Van Dyke was a, a, a prolific writer, and he was also a traveling preacher. And so he was invited uh, somewhere into the Berkshire Mountains to uh, go ahead and share with the church there. And he was uh, hosted by uh, a, a couple there. And so he was in the mountains in this beautiful grandeur, and thankfully he didn't have any devices to throw him off, and he was just able to see the glory of God. And he came back down and, and he handed this letter to his, his host. And it said, here is a hymn for you. The mountains were an inspiration. Later, he said this. This is a hymn of trust and joy and hope. Now, it didn't have music to it yet. All it had were lyrics, text. But Henry Van Dyke was super particular on the music that it would be set to. None other than... The Ode to Joy from Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. Maybe you've heard it before. Joyful, joyful, we adore thee, God of glory, Lord of love. Hearts unfold like flowers before thee, opening to the sun above. Melt the clouds of sin and sadness. Drive the dark of doubt away. Giver of immortal gladness, fill us with the light of day. As we finish up today, I love this quote by Louis Giglio. Worship is giving God his breath back. It's acknowledging that he is Lord over all. It's knowing that our good things come from him. That we are not alone on this journey. Thank you for listening to audio from Central Christian Church in Portales, New Mexico. 
Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. To connect with us, visit our website at centralwired.org.